Philippians chapter 3, we're going to be, um, this is kind of like the big kickoff for our series, Loving Well. Um, I mentioned this Wednesday night, and I'm going to say it again because I, I just want you to think about this, okay? I want you to kind of take it home, and you may completely disagree at, at first the first hearing of this, but I want you to go and work this out a little bit, okay, is the goal of discipleship, the goal of Christianity is not for me and you to feel closer to God. That's not the goal. Why do I bring that up? It's because sometimes it's really easy to feel like that, and we become so independent and so isolated because we think the goal is for us to feel closer to God. Like, that's why you may even study your Bible, because you want to feel closer to God. And I want you to understand that's not the goal. In fact, that's a very dangerous place to go, okay? Because then it just becomes this self-centered, consumeristic, all I'm searching for is that fix to feel closer to God. The goal of discipleship is to glorify him and love people. That's the reason he does everything. That's the reason that he works in our lives and he hasn't taken us to heaven. That's the reason the Holy Spirit inside of us, every single attribute is about loving people. It's relational. It can't be done on an island. You can't just go and, and, and... and, and have these wonderful things that are boiling up inside of us and have nothing to give them to. Because it's going, hold on. Now, the byproduct of being in the Word, the byproduct of being obedient, the byproduct of loving God is that you will have full life. You will, have, it, it, you will be close to God. All right? That's the byproduct, but it's not the goal. And, and I'm just saying, we've got to be really, really, really careful about that. Or it just becomes, we become kind of like what Ryan is saying, is we can, we can trade one vice for another where it's like, now I'm just looking for churches that are just going to tell me things to make me feel closer to God. Instead of when Jesus is going, hold on a minute, man. You want to know what? The Son of Man didn't come down here uh, to, to lord it over people. I, he came to serve. Okay, that's relational. All right? I came to seek and save that what was lost. That's relational. That's reconciliation. That's being involved with people. And so we're talking about this of loving well. If we miss this, okay, we failed. I'm not making that up. I mean, that's 1 Corinthians 13. I mean, that's not a made-up thing. You can read that. I mean, we could do things, and I don't mean, like, just be good people. We could be amazing people, religious people of our day. And if we don't love well, we've failed. We've, we've gone beyond failure. I mean, we've gone outside of the will of God, outside of the relationship of God. And so this is really important to let this sink in because we're going to be talking about this. But remember, it's piggybacking on with, with what we're doing at midweek. It's piggybacking on with this idea of we don't just try harder to love well. Just like if you wanted to grow, we've used this analogy often. It's just like if you wanted to grow fruit, you don't just go out and squeeze the vine and make fruit pop out. Like, man, if I just squeeze tighter, more fruit would come out, okay? It's an inside-out process. It's God working and producing fruit um, in our lives, okay? And so that's the reason that we're doing on Wednesday nights the inside out, okay? The goal isn't, okay, I'm going to try so hard now to love better, all right? Because won't it get really frustrating when it just becomes about us trying to love better? And then the sad part about that is, you know who becomes the standard? Me and you. We become the standard because then it's like everything I'm good at is what matters most and everything I'm bad at is what matters least. All right, and, and we just, we've got to really kind of pay attention to that. I'm picking this verse in Philippians 3 because I want it to just kind of like be marinated here at the Word, okay? One of my favorite things, one of the neatest looking things in the world is, is if you, you know, you grill food, you know, and like you grill meat. 
sorry if you're a vegetarian or something, but I grill meat, okay? I like it, yes. It's like it's, it makes you grunt, right? Exactly. And, and, and the Galbraiths were over, and we were, like, grilling those drumstick things, those little wings. I guess a drumstick's not actually a wing, is it? <laughs> That's why I couldn't be a veterinarian, okay? But, 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 but the little... The little, the little legs, the little drumsticks were, were grilling. And you know how you put it on there, it's got the marinade, and it starts like caramelizing, like it's getting a little kind of crunchy? And then you take the marinade while it's on there, and you like baste it over it, and you can kind of see just the, that is so awesome, man. It is so, like you're just basting it over, and you know that the meat is just soaking it up. Do you know what I'm talking about at all? I love that. I mean, because you know the juices are getting in there, Okay. This is what I want us to do with the Bible today, okay? I want it to be that way. Is, is we've got this section in Philippians, but, but let me give you just a little bit of background, okay? And now, right, right, right exactly. Thanks for coming. Um, but, but here's the thing is, um, so in the book of Philippians, um, man, we always have to get an idea of, man, why was this even written? What, where was Philippi? I mean, here's the thing is you might think I'm the dumbest guy in the world, but it helps me before I read something to know about kind of where, where it's even located, okay? Like if you're telling me about the, the hurricanes going through some islands I've never heard of, it helps me even empathize to know like where is that? Like what does that look like? What is it? And, and it's the same with the Bible, all right? And you've got Philippi. It's this community. It's actually a really important community. Okay, and and one of the things that uh, you would if we were all like Philippians, if we were people that lived in Philippi, you all know what we would be most probably like um, just believed in. What would we? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) That is so awesome. You totally redeemed yourself from earlier. (laughs) Yes. And so the thing about this is, could you imagine like your leader? saying, you have to say, I'm Lord and Savior, all right? The, the, the mayor of your city or the governor of your state or the president of the country is saying, listen, you're actually going to get in trouble unless you come and say, I'm your Lord and Savior. And, and to our ears, that may sound weird, but think about it if you grew up in a place where that was the norm, where that was the norm, that Jesus, there's no other Savior, and man, you would get into a lot of trouble, Okay. Um, And so understand, like, if we were hanging out in Philippi, that would be kind of a normal thing is the emperor was Lord. The emperor was Savior. The emperor was who mattered most. And and so I want to just tell you a little bit is hopefully, even when we're reading this, that we tell that that we kind of know the background story of Philippi in the Bible. Do you remember when Paul went to Philippi? Do you remember? And, And it just picture it's kind of where Greece is right now. Do you remember when Paul went to Philippi? He had some really cool things happening to him there. Acts chapter 16, what do you remember about? Anybody you remember him meeting? Lydia, Lydia, right? He's like, hey, I went outside the city gates and there were some people praying and man, I talked to a woman. You're going, oh my goodness, a boy talked to a girl down by the river. Oh my goodness, he's already struggling. You know, you're like, Mike, no, really, please, it's okay. (laughs) All right, boys and girls can talk to one another. Men and women can talk to one another. He went down and shared his faith with Lydia. Right? What else happened in, in Philippi that you remember? There was a Philippian jailer. Right? So Paul, he got into a little bit of trouble. Right? Because why? Why did he get in trouble? Why did Paul and Timothy get in trouble? Huh? Right. There's a girl, you know, going around, and she was used as a fortune teller. 
in the city, okay? And like you can imagine in the city, this guy's making lots of money because this girl would tell your fortune. That's the kind of city it is, okay? And Paul was just, he was, she was actually saying the right thing. You're right. He's telling, and he's like, I'm sick and tired of this after a couple days. You know, out of her, demon, and the demon went out of her, and she was no longer able to make money for her people. And there was an uproar in the city. There's an uproar in the city, and they were jailed, right? You remember what happened in the jail? Singing songs, man. They were beaten, and they were singing songs. Okay, this is a different jail than the jail he was in in Rome later. This was more of a traditional, he was on house arrest later. Um, so anyway, you have these cool things. that Can you imagine Paul remembering, going, man, you remember we are in Philippi? And by the way, he's writing this letter while he's under house arrest in Rome. Can you imagine writing something and you're remembering about your time there? You go, man, I remember being in Philippi. Man, I remember. I remember Lydia. Gosh, man, I remember Lydia. That was awesome. Remember we were down by the river. And, man, you remember, man, we got beat up. And, wow, we were in jail. And then the jailer, remember, it shook. And, it, and the jailer was going to kill himself. And then we were like, no, don't kill yourself. And then we baptized him and his whole family. And, could, you know, those kind of really cool memories that you have are just like, man, that is, you know, boy, that's the coolest thing. And he's writing it. And so for us to say he wasn't thinking about anything, who knows what he was thinking about. But, man, isn't it hard to not think about things when you're writing to somebody and you remember the memories that you have with them and all of that kind of stuff. This is what Paul's writing. He knows the city he's writing to. He knows there's this cult of emperor worship. He knows that the Christians are being uh, basically imprisoned as well because they're saying, listen, unless emperor's Lord, you're going to jail, man. You're in trouble, okay? And so he, Paul knows he's writing this to them, okay? And what's really cool is um, what we were using kind of as our staple verse is Philippians 1 when when, when Paul says, this is what I pray for you. Wouldn't that be the coolest thing in the world to hear? If, if Paul said, I want to tell you the words I use when I'm praying for you. And I, I want you to just think about it. Think about the words you use when you pray for people. Think about what those are like. What do you pray for? Because it's fascinating when we learn what Paul prays for people. Oftentimes it might be different. I know it is for me. Like I, I see how Paul prays and I'm going, wow, I don't pray like that. I don't ask for those things. But he says, I pray that your love will abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. He says, I pray that, that, that your love, not that, not that the emperor won't be the emperor, not that your life will be easy, not that you won't get thrown in jail, not that any of those things, because Paul is going, hold on a minute, I got beat up in your city. I ain't praying about any of that stuff going away. I'm praying for you guys, us right here, that your love will abound, will grow. It won't be a static thing where, hey, I loved about a week ago, and it's never changed, or a year ago, or 10 years ago. will abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you can discern that there's a purpose behind it so that the decisions we make are flavored by our love. So you can discern what's best. So you can discern what's best because there's a lot of times there might be good things to do, but they're not the best things. And that you can be filled with righteousness. You can be pure. He says, I want you to grow in love so you can be pure and blameless and filled with the fruit of righteousness. All right. This is what his prayer is. I mean, that's a cool prayer. Can you imagine reading that and if Paul said, Ryan, this is what I'm praying for you. 
Wouldn't that be awesome to hear that? So we already know Paul is saying, listen, guys, I understand something. Maybe he's praying for different things and all that kind of stuff, but he's, what he's really praying is your love will abound, that your love will grow, that our love will grow more and more, okay? And then he actually goes on to, like, describe what that looks like, okay? And we're going to look at that a little bit, um, but I do want us to understand something from the get-go, is love has a lot of different meanings, there's a ton of meaning, meanings. The meaning that the Bible means, the meaning that we're using, is that loving well is loving how Jesus loves. That's it. You can go, but I love hamburgers. That's okay. Sometimes we get kind of weird in the church about that too. You're like, oh, we overuse that word so much. I'm never saying I love hamburgers. I'm like, it's okay. I mean, I don't think we're saying that you're like worshiping the hamburger or, you know, okay, you love pizza. That's great. I mean, we get it that you don't love pizza, okay? <laughs> like, I love you, okay? But we get that. Don't be strange. You can use the word. There are words that mean different things, but this is what we're talking about. Is if there's ever any doubt, if I'm loving the way Jesus said to love, it, is, it has to be what he would do and how he would do it. That means in relationships, that means in decisions and all these things. Remember in John 13, Jesus says, as I have loved you. Not as the world has loved you, not as your neighbor has loved you, not as your boyfriend or girlfriend has loved you. Not any of those things. It's not okay for us to make our own definition. He says, as I have loved you. And that list would be pretty challenging, wouldn't it? Like, if you haven't done this already, take some time and write down all the ways God has loved you. And I write down on that list, and I think of all the grace and all the patience and all the mercy and all the truth. Okay, sometimes we can just get, get on one side where we're like, oh, he was so coddling and all that. But you want to know what? Jesus told me the truth about who I was. And he used people to do it as well. Okay? And that was grace. And that was loving and remembering all that and going, do I love people that way? And the frustrating thing about this is far too often, no. It's just not thought about. I don't think about it that way. I don't think about it in terms of, hold on a minute. Am I treating somebody the way Jesus treated me? Okay, that's our standard. Hopefully that gets just kind of imprinted on our brain there, okay? Um, you can't read that probably. There's too many words. But you can turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3, and, uh, and you'll be able to see it. Uh, Philippians 3, this is it. This is the basting, okay? We're all the little drumsticks on the grill right here, okay? And I want Philippians 3, 7 to just kind of let the basting happen, okay? Just let it sink in uh, everywhere, all right? And here's what it says, okay? But whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. That's a lot there. My assumption is every one of us in here, we want to 
We want our love to abound and to grow more and more. We're not going to just try harder and have that happen. It just isn't going to work that way. And then there's only one other way is we either have to get to the root or it just isn't going to work. You, you guys have done that before. You ever pull, just pull the weed out off the top and the root doesn't come out? And what happens? The weed comes back, right? That happens. Spiritually, it happens, right? Is we just kind of get junk, rid of junk that we, you know, that we see on the surface. And, and we've got to go. Here's the thing. To me, this is like the root. And I'm not just saying that theoretically. I'm saying for me, this gets to the root if I want to love well. And remember, Jesus wasn't like, not just loving your brothers and sisters well. Loving our enemies well. Loving the lost well. Loving our families well. Loving when it's hard. This is tough to do. We've got to get, that's why we're starting right here, okay? Because it's got to be the root. This has got to be the root. And it is so, this really is just a higher calling. Because here's what's interesting. He uses a word a lot. Loss, loss, lost, garbage, lost. And, and that's one of the things that none of us like. Unless you're losing weight. That might be the only thing. But you don't want to lose money. Right? You don't want to lose friends. You don't want to lose loved ones. We don't want to lose these things. And Paul's going, but hold on a minute. This is, I consider everything a loss. And here's the thing. These are the words that have been just coming through my mind more and more. Everything I read, every time I, is this, is Paul is saying, here's what our lives have to look like. They've got to look cross-shaped. I want you to remember those words. Our lives as disciples must become more and more progressively cross-shaped. What do I mean by that? Meaning that we have to die to ourselves. Progressively, more and more, every single day. This is really the root. I can't love well if I'm not dying to Keith. There's no way. Keith is too messed up. Keith has got too much stuff. Keith has got too much bitterness. Keith has got too much. Unless, it's, unless I am cross-shaped in my life, unless I'm taking on the form of that. And you know what's interesting is, is in Philippians 2, Paul actually wrote that. He said, in your relationships, your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. And then he went on not to show all of the cool things about Jesus' life, but how he became cross-shaped. And he's saying, that's us. That's what we've got to become. I want you to just think about that. Is, is that the form we're taking? We're going to talk about that a little bit more. But I want to develop this, but I want it to be in our minds. It's going to be really hard to love well, practically impossible, I think, if we don't become cross-shaped. Paul writes this, whatever were gains to me, what are some gains? Just think about this. What are gains for you? What are cool things? Is it a promotion? Is that, that's a gain, isn't it? Isn't that awesome? Think about what are the gains to me? A promotion, a pay raise, right? Honor roll. What are some other ones? What are some gains? Did you go, man, this would be awesome, huh? Right, trophies, man, anything, owning a home, like having a new car. He says, man, whatever were gains to me, he goes, those are, they don't mean anything to me anymore. Like, like, Paul's not messing around here. This isn't like Paul's the super apostle and he's going, hey, listen, this is just me, but y'all just do your own thing. Paul actually is, is what's really cool about Philippians, he starts out in Philippians 1, and he's, he's developing this, this idea of how we grow in love. And then in Philippians chapter 2, he gives us the example of Jesus. And then in chapter 3, he tells us the illustration from his own life. And this is it right here. I think whatever were gains to me, 
What about like being in a relationship? That's a gain, right? I mean, a lot of you guys here that are single, you want to be married one day. That's a gain when you find somebody that likes you. Right? He said, what's more, I consider everything a loss. Now, here's the deal. I oftentimes read this, and I thought, wow, that'd be cool one day. Except, you know what's interesting is these are decisions. These are decisions. I mean, it's really, he's saying, hold on a minute. There's a, there's a battle, and it's really against the uncrucified Keith, the uncross-shaped Keith that wants like, man, I want pay raises and promotions, and I want to be, I want my name in lights, and I want all of these things. And it's the same with all of us, right? We want money. We want power. We want fame. We want notoriety. We want, you know, like, tell me I'm doing good. Like, we want these things that are gains. He says, you know, all these things are a loss. I consider them all a loss. I've lost all things. He says, I consider them garbage. That's a decision, right? He says they're, it's not just that they're gone and like, oh, that was cool and all that kind of stuff. He says it's like filth. You ever have filth in your house before? You ever changed a filthy diaper? Right? You ever see when it's filth? We're not just talking about like, hey, there's some paper on the ground. He says, man, I consider it like filth. Like some translations even say dung. That's a word we don't use anymore, huh? Bring it back. Bring it back. <laughs> he does. He says, man, this is what it's like. So all of the things, think about the gains that you thought of is, man, if I could, you know, that relationship you know, that promotion, that pay raise, that future thing, you know, that material thing I can buy, whatever it is. He says, you know what? That's like dung. Like when you look at poop on the ground, Paul says, that's what I think about that stuff. And, and too often we read this and we're like, oh, that's, that's, not, that's not for me. That's not for normal Christians. Like there's no, like there's no normal Christian and unnormal Christian. It's just you're, we're either a disciple or not, Right. Before this, he says this, okay, just so we, you know, sometimes it's really easy to get on his case. Wouldn't it be easy? You hear a guy saying that, and you're going, ah, oh, it's because you want to know what? You don't even know what it's like to give up good stuff. You don't even know what it's like to give up honor. You don't even know what it's like to give up all this stuff. He says, actually, before that, he just told us, if anyone thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, he says, I have more. He goes, I was circumcised on the eighth day, and everybody here is like, well, okay, cool. <laughs> you win, bro. <laughs> but to him at this time, man, if you were a Jew, it's like, dude, I'm God's people. The people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm a disciple of disciples. Man, I've got it. Do you know? In regard to the law of Pharisee, and, and, and we use that term negatively, no, 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 no. Superiority. I'm better than the average Jew. I know more. I've been trained more. As far as zeal, I persecuted the church. Because I wasn't just sitting on the sidelines. I wasn't just pressing like on Facebook. Right? The slacktivism, right? I mean, it's that idea of going, man, I like that cause. He's like, no, man, I was getting people killed for what I believed. And my righteousness was based on the law. He said, I was faultless. He says, all of that stuff. I was the best of the best. I was the mo- People wanted to be Paul. 
People wanted to be taught by Gamaliel. People wanted to be taught. I mean, it was like, whoa, you were something. He said, that, all that stuff is dung. We, we pursue a lot of the same things, though. We pursue a lot of the same things. I mean, there wasn't anything that, that puffed me up more than walking out. Man, when the first year I worked at FSU with the football team, don't say anything about FSU. Just, you know, just, <laughs> just take it in. Okay, I was living in Tallahassee for Pete's sake. But I, I wa- walking into a football stadium, and I have my FSU gear on, working with the team because I was like, now I'm something. And you all know what? Everyone in the stadium wished they were down here on this field. Everyone in the stadium wished they knew those football players. Everyone in the stadium wished they knew Bobby Bowden. Everyone in the stadium wished they had a championship ring. Everyone in the stadium, I'm sitting down here going, because I'm something. He says, that's dung. We do that, though, huh? Wouldn't it be great to know Kelly Bryant? What if you knew Deshaun Watson? Wouldn't that be awesome? That would make you someone, wouldn't it? Because wouldn't it be great to go around and tell people you know Deshaun Watson? Like, I know Deshaun Watson. That's awesome. What if you knew Wayne Gallman? What if you knew Mike Williams? What if you got championship ring from Clemson? What if you got whatever from Carolina? What if you, you know, did whatever they did? I don't pay attention to them, but, you know, you're, you're like, that would... What if you got a job? What if you were the director of wherever you were? What if you got, and, and it was something where you were going, and you know what I'm talking about, where you go, now I'm someone. He's saying, man, that's where we have messed up. Man, if I, could just work the, if I could just work at the right hospital and the right shift, if I could just work at the right school, if I could just do all that, then I'd be something. He's saying, that's just dung. That's it right there. It's promotion. It's that idea of here's the deal is, is wouldn't it be great to get a promotion? Because you want to know what? Nobody here can afford to live on what you're living on right now. Right? There's never enough money. Is that, isn't that true? It doesn't matter how much you get. You're always like, if I had a little more, then I could buy this. Man, if we had a little more, then our grandkids wouldn't have to work. Man, if we had a little more, there's never enough money. It's just a principle of the world. Okay? But that's what ends up happening. And we're like, man, there's no way. God... I can't live off of this amount. I've got to go and get more. And Paul would say, no, you don't. When Paul says, I've lost all things, I wonder in the church why there isn't more loss that we're having. Like the idea of going, I could go for that job, but I'm not going to. Why doesn't that happen? (laughs) It was okay for Paul to go, no, 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 I'm way up here. Let me come down. But the idea of going, oh, you know what? Taco Bell's hiring. This is where God wants me. I'm going to work at Taco Bell. To us, we'd be like, I don't even know if there's a single disciple that would, that would encourage that. You know, I lost all things. My degree doesn't make me something. Where I work doesn't make me something. If I want to love well, I've got to take on a cross-shaped life. And it may, it may be Jesus saying, no, 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 Keith, you thought you were going to use that sports medicine degree. You thought you were going to invest seven years of your life into this. No, you're not. <laughs> you will not. It's rubbish, and it literally is now. I mean, <laughs> I spent seven years. I can't use it, okay? But the thing about this is this is what fuels us, and then we try to fit Christianity into it, yeah. and we can't love well. It's like, no, no, no. But see, I remember how it used to be, and people told you you couldn't move and all that kind of stuff. Man, stop. Here's the deal is, is listen to Jesus. 
Okay? And there will be times when Jesus said, don't go. Okay? Just because you can doesn't mean you should. All right? And so it's that idea of going, hold on a minute. You mean I could get a promotion and make 50000 more a year or 60000 or 100000 more a year? You're going, hold on a minute. That's all dung to me. Now, if that's where Jesus wants me, I'm more than happy to go and amen. But I ain't chasing that. This is what Paul is saying, okay? He's saying promotion. He's saying birthright, man. Okay. Say, but I grew up in the church. <laughs> of course I'm right. I grew up in the church. He's saying, man, that's garbage. That doesn't mean nothing. Be thankful. That's awesome. Yeah, okay, great. This is fantastic. But the, here's the truth of the matter is it doesn't make you faithful. Okay? It's that idea of going, but I don't have to listen to this. I mean, I grew up in the church. I'm automatically cross-shaped. No. Relationships. You know, it's that idea of, man, I re- oh, my goodness. But I remember in high school. The, the first girl who was ever my girlfriend, I'm just not going to look at Abby right now. <laughs> this little girl, her name was Sarah, actually. Easy now. <laughs> little Sarah, okay? And it was one of those relationships where it was like, we're boyfriend and girlfriend, but she pretty much did everything she could to not hang out with me, okay? <laughs> it's pretty healthy. <laughs> All I cared about was that she said yes. <laughs> And it was like, you ever had that before where you're walking? And, like, I remember walking on campus and thinking, my life is so much better right now. <laughs> it's so much better because she likes me. And she's not going to go out with someone else, I don't think. <laughs> and, you know, you ever have that before where, where these, these external things and you think, man, if I just had a boyfriend or a girlfriend, my life, I would be so fulfilled. And Paul's going, you're on the wrong track, man. Relationships are great, but not if they're not built in Jesus. Not if it isn't two cross-shaped people coming together. Okay, they're not great. Rights and freedom. Right? I mean, those are the things we want. Man, this is my right. This is my freedom. But, it, but it's really hard to follow Jesus and to love well when he's saying, hey, you know what? I, like, Jesus was non-retaliatory. Right? I mean, he was like, hey, you can turn the cheek. Right? While they were hurling insults at him. Right? Isn't that amazing? And they were like, no, but this is my right. Well, sometimes you want to know what? To love well, we've got to set our rights aside. And Paul's really clear about that, too. He says, you know, there's some freedoms you can have as a, as a disciple. And if you're going to love well, those rights have to be set off to the side. Okay? And, 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 and that's how we love well. These are the things. Paul's saying, man, this is, this is dung, you know? But, but here's the best part, Okay? Because this doesn't sound fun at all, does it? <laughs> None of this sounds fun. You're going, why would I do that? We'd be the most miserable people in the world. I mean, we're, we're here. Could you imagine? We've, oh, we've lost everything. You know, this is just sing hallelujah with a savior. You know, even though, you know, I have nothing. Right? Except that's not true. This is where it gets really tough. This is where it's got to sink from our head to our heart. Right? Yeah. Here's what he said. Here's the reason why. Because of the surpassing worth, because of the surpassing knowledge, value, love, because of the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus. God, here, do you believe that for real? Because here's, I'm just going to ask you that question because I'll go through this list in my head and I'm going, I can say it, but the way I live sometimes, I don't think God is really greater than these things. Like that God is greater than your job title. Like he can fulfill you more than any job title can. I mean, think about that, though. 
like as, as we're like abandoning the faith and abandoning the community of believers and abandoning discipleship to go for a job and a title, we're saying, God, I don't trust you that you're greater than this. I've got to have that job title. I've got to have the FSU gear or the Clemson gear or say I know this person. I've got you because, God, you are not great enough. Paul said, actually, that's not true. He said, all this stuff was filth to me because God is greater. This is the why. This is the good part. Greater than our rights? Yes. Greater than our, our relationships? Yes. Yes. Our birthright? Our prom- greater than all that. This is the challenge for me and you is do I really believe that? Would I really live? Maybe God is calling you to live in a low-wage job. And, and I know we're going, no, 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 not Jesus. <laughs> I know. You all know what we all talk about. Yeah, we don't follow a prosperity theology. We don't follow a name-it-claim-it theology unless it's us. And we're going, but of course he wants me to be rich. <laughs> of course he wants me to make lots of money. Because who's going to fund the church? You ever said that? Hey, I'm pretty sure Jesus got that covered. (laughs) I'm pretty sure Jesus knows how to do that. That ain't our problem. (laughs) Don't ever worry about that. Going, well, I could follow Jesus. Um, But man, the church really needs money. So let me go and do this. That's unfaithful and not even inquiring of God because the church needs money. Now, listen, Jesus got the church. Let me just help you out. Now, contribute, okay? I'm just saying. But, but he's got that, all right? Jesus is greater. This is what Paul's saying. Jesus is greater than these. Because of the surpass... If, if there was a little camera on us all day, would our lives look like Jesus is the greatest value we've ever known. Like in the way we study our Bibles, in the way we love people, in the way we serve, would he go, man, that's the person that found the treasure in a field. Remember the guy that did that? He sold everything because of the value. And that's, what, that's for us right there of going, man, just here's, here's what we're not doing. Hey, don't just go get rid of things to get rid of things. It's not what he's saying here. He's saying, hold on a minute. Jesus is so much greater. And if we want to love well, and if we want to be cross-shaped, like really crucified, then we're going to have to lose things because he is so much greater. And then, you want to know what? Then people want to know, like, well, what's the deal with that? Like, we can walk people through that and actually talk to them about what it means to be cross-shaped. He says, here's a new ambition. Do you have ambition? We do. Right? You want to be great at what you do. You want to be popular with what you do. You want to be successful with what you do. We want that. We have an ambition. That's what's getting you through class right now if you're on campus. That's what's getting you through your classes is one day I'm going to go make a paycheck. I have an ambition one day to do this, okay? Paul says, hold on a minute. There's a new ambition. Becoming like Jesus in his death. He says he wants to know the power of the resurrection. He wants to participate in his sufferings. And become like Jesus in his death. Because here's the deal is once (laughs) Keith being crucified is a good thing for everybody. Our old selves being crucified is good for everybody. 
It's the only way we're going to love well. Because it's not us doing it, it's then it's Jesus in us doing it. And that may seem so unfamiliar. You may go, oh, but that's so like ultra theological and I don't understand that. Because here's the deal is, we actually need to begin by examining our lives and going, hold on a minute. I need to be crucified every single day. This needs to happen to live a cross-shaped life. There's two parts to this, though, okay? Um, the first one is, Paul tells us in Romans 6. He says, there's a time you become cross-shaped when you're baptized into Christ. Okay? He says, we are participating in the death of Jesus when we're immersed in water. When Ryan was baptized 15 years ago, old Ryan died at that point. Not because Ryan was awesome. Not because Ryan did something. Ryan didn't do nothing. He was in the water. He got pushed down under the water. I mean, Jesus did it all. Okay, it's not like some work. It's not anything like that. But, he's, but Paul said, hold on a minute. All of us have to have that wedding day. Right? It's really tough. I mean, in our society today, it doesn't fly to just go, hey, we're married. You know, nah, I won't go there. <laughs> you know, you just can't, whatever. That, that threw me off right there. <laughs> you know, Chris just can't go up to some girl and go, you know what, I think we're married. Okay? As hard as he tries to do that. He can't do that. You're going to have to go, hold up a minute, dude. You better have a wedding day. Y'all had a couple wedding days. Like in seven days' time, both your kids got married. All right? It's the wedding day. You got to get you got to get married. You got to have the wedding day, okay? If you haven't had that in baptism, read Romans 6, sit down with somebody. That's where we participate. That's the wedding day. That's where we marry Jesus. Something actually happens there. It actually does. All right? You 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 are washed of your sins. You get the Holy Spirit inside of you. That's an awesome wedding day. All right? Don't ever let anybody hold you back from that. All right? I mean, that is amazing. That's not like, hey, okay, like, you know, it's kind of like, no, try out for that position for eight or nine weeks, and we'll see if you're worthy of that. Like, no, 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 no. Come on, get in that water, okay? You're not going to be good enough. Repent and be baptized. That's the wedding day. If there's anybody, if you're holding out on that, man, stop. Talk to somebody, okay? And then there's the idea of, you you ever heard that uh, scripture that Paul writes in Philippians, and he says, you know, um, I don't look behind anymore? You love that one. We all love that one. I press on towards the goal. I press on. I keep going. I keep going. A lot of times we're, we're thinking like, oh, that's because, you know, he had, he had a bad week and he's not looking back on his bad week. He's going forward. He's saying, no, 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 that wedding day, I got to stay married now. Like I press on. I don't keep looking back and going, well, no, no, no. I know I'm not living like a married man, but I remember that wedding day. Any of y'all's husbands with that fly in here, if wives? Would that fly if your husband came home and he said, hey, just letting y'all know, I know we got married a couple weeks ago, but I'm seeing some other women. Don't fly. Don't fly. He's saying, no, every day I'm married again. Every day I die to myself. Every day I die. Every minute I die. Every single minute. Every single minute. So there's both. There's there's, got to have the wedding. Got to live it every single day, right? This is what he's talking about. There's a new ambition. There's a new ambition. Anybody know this guy? All right, we're going to wrap it up right here, okay? Because here's the thing. This guy is awesome if you had not seen Rogue One. You got to see, I mean, this reminds me that Star Wars, I'm, I want a house next to George Lucas in heaven. Because I'm pretty sure George, well, maybe not, okay. I don't know what I'm saying, but I'm just saying this movie, if you watch this, this guy is blind, okay? Here's why I have this up here, okay? 
there's only one way that I'm, I'm here's what's happening. There's only one way I'm seeing a change. It's not try- I've got to have, like, in my mind, Galatians 2.20 has been going through my mind over and over and over again. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. When it gets hard, no, 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 I no longer, I was crucified with Christ. I no longer live. And it's got to be driven into my thick brain every single day. I'm talking about like when you see this movie, and this is all the guy's doing. He's walking through the battle. They're shooting lasers everywhere. And he's like, I'm with the fourth force, and the force is with me. I'm with the, and he's just like saying it over and over. It's almost like he's convincing himself. Like I'm blind. I'm in a gun battle right here. But the force is with me, and I'm with the force. Okay? We got to be like that. I'm telling you, we got to be that way Galatians 2.20 style. Like everywhere we go. Whoever we're with, if we want to love better, it's got to be like, hold on a minute. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I no longer live. I, was, I died. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Okay? If we're not, it, this the only practical I got for you. That's it. I can't make your life any better than that. It's this. Now, now you don't have to be that guy, but I'm just, you know what I'm saying on this is, is, is unless this is driven in over and over and over and over, we're never going to live a cross-shaped life. We're not going to live a cross-shaped life. We just aren't going to do it. Whoops, there it goes. That was it, I guess. Okay, we're going to end with that. Ah, there's a lot there. And that little section got marinated. Go and sit in that a little longer. Let it just kind of ooze over you into all the pores. Let it sink in and go, and, hold on a minute. Paul, I don't want to just read this and think that would be neat. I want to do that. I want to be that way. I want to decide that way so we can love well.